Hi, I'm Johnny. And I'm Chachi. We're Get In Here Ministries. You know, a lot of people come up to us and ask us hard questions about God and the Bible and spiritual living. And you know why a lot of those questions are softball questions for us? There are actually some pretty good ones. One of them being, how do I have a better prayer life? Well, good news, we got some killer tips to a better prayer life. Before we do that, though, let's start off with a title and some dance moves. No, we're not doing a title and a dance. Let's just kind of get into this. Let's say you become privy to some juicy information about someone, but don't want to be seen as a gossip. We've got good news. You're good to go if you put it in the form of a prayer request. I still cannot believe what Jill said to Keith. I can't believe it either, but did you know that John got canned? What? Are you, are you... Let's talk about it in a prayer group. Now, I know none of you are guilty of that in here, right? Right? Don't lie in church. Okay. We are uh, continuing our series, as you can see here on the screen, of Ask. And this is our second week. Let me encourage you to get your bulletin out this morning. Follow along. We have a lot of material to go through today. And the truth is we're not going to get through it all. So I want you to have that bulletin. And I want to encourage you. Maybe uh, look through the verses uh, that we don't get to. Have an opportunity this week to go through and uh, look at those. And, and so as you're kind of funneling through the 30 other bulletins that are in your Bible and you're finding the one that's for today, then uh, we won't talk anymore about that today. But we're glad that you're here. And let me just brag on you guys as a church for a little bit this morning, all right? To start off with, now I had an awesome testimony this morning. Uh, I had a young man, Gage Childress, and I heard that he said a special prayer to be with Pastor John as he preaches. Isn't that awesome? Just turned five, and to think of a five-year-old praying for me, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty cool. So thank you, Gage. Is Gage in here? I know some of our kids are in here this morning. There's Gage. Hey, Gage. My prayer partner. Thank you, Gage. Yeah, give Gage a hand. He wasn't standing, his dad was holding her eyes, that's all. But then also, this morning I've already met uh, some of your neighbors that you invited to join you for worship today. I've met some co-workers. Uh, I've met uh, several, I actually met someone this morning that uh, we had a group of almost 30 that braved, brave souls this last Wednesday night that went out and uh, we just went door knocking. How many of you know what I, door knocking, not, you know what I'm talking about, not where we knocked and ran? <laughs> I used to do that too, but I don't do that anymore. But I met somebody here this morning that got invited by some, one of you that went out Wednesday night and invited someone to church. And so um, it, it, this is going to blow your mind, but if you invite someone to join you for church, they're likely to do it. Okay? So try it. All right, it's going to blow your mind. All right, but I just want to thank you. Last week again, I, I mentioned last Sunday uh, that I had the opportunity after Easter to text a few people and say, hey, your, your friend or your, your brother or your neighbor, uh, they raised their hand that they gave their life to Jesus Christ this week. 
And that's awesome to be able to do that, to be able to text someone and, and let them have some dialogue with their friends or neighbors. Um, and then again, last Sunday, I got a text from somebody that said that their daughter had received a text from their friend that they gave their life to Jesus Christ in church that Sunday, uh, last week. Isn't that awesome? And so let me encourage you, you have the opportunity to change someone's life forever and to change their eternity from bad to good just by inviting someone to church. It's not that, it's not that hard. I know it, it feels like it, but it's not that hard. Now, this morning we're going to continue our series, and um, we've already read Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. That's kind of our jumping off verse, Matthew 7. Uh, you know, it tells us to ask, it tells us to seek, it tells us to knock. Last week we talked about the fact that um, it seemed like the, the major, the majority, the biggest percentage of us in here would be honest enough to say that prayer life for them and for us is, is maybe somewhat difficult. It's not where you would like it to be, it's a work in progress, or just you might plainly say, I am terrible at praying. Um, and so with that understanding, what I want you to realize this morning is that I'm right there with you. That prayer is, is a difficult spiritual discipline for me. Uh, it's, a, it's a difficult discipline, and so we answered the question last week, and on your bulletin is a quick review, is this question, and we really split it into two questions, and that is, who do we ask, was the first question. Who do we ask? So, you know, another way of wording that is, well, who am I even talking to when I'm praying? Or who do we pray to? And, and so, on your bulletin, there's a simple answer, right? So, we spent a lot of time last week answering to come to this one sentence. We pray to God, our Father, empowered by the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. So we're talking to God, our Father. We've just sang this morning about He is a good, good Father. It's who He is. It's not what He does. It's who He is. He is a good, good Father. Are you, are you thankful this morning that God is good? God is good always. The second question we asked was, so we've answered the question we asked God the Father, empowered by the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. The second question we asked last week was, so who can ask? Who has access to talk to God the Father, empowered by the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus? And the simple answer is God's children. If, if you've given your life to God and you've come to God through Jesus, Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God, the Father, except through me, Jesus. So you have access to God. He becomes your Father. We read in Ephesians where Ephesians talks about if you've given your life to God through Jesus, by placing your faith in Jesus Christ, you have been adopted into the family of God, and God now is your good, good Father. What an awesome privilege that you, as a believer, have access to God the Father. Isn't that amazing? And I think maybe, at least for me, and, and we kind of came to this realization last week as we were thinking through this, is that maybe that's why we, we struggle with it. So we, we, we came, remember we came to three words that kind of describe prayer, that, that prayer is powerful, that it's communication, and that it's essential. Those were like the top three words that we came up with. 
And I think that on some level, if you've, you understand that prayer is powerful, you understand that prayer is communication, it's communication with God, our Father, and that it's essential for our life. And I think maybe the, the, the understanding of those three things, at least in my life, leads me to realize because it is so powerful, because it is so essential, because it is communication with God, the creator of the universe, I hope I'm good at it. Right? And, and, and then maybe the realization of, wow, I'm not very good at it. And I want to get better at it. And we're going to ask a, a different question this morning, and that question is why. But before we get to the why, I have to address another question. So uh, I told you we had a, a group of about 30 that went out Wednesday nights, and we're, we're just asking people, inviting them to church, and just sharing the gospel, telling them that God loves them so much that he sent Jesus to die for them, and we hope they understand that and know that. And then we invite them uh, to join us for a service. But somebody, as a result of us going out Wednesday night, uh, sent a text, and they asked a question. And their question was, so after we left Wednesday, whoever it was that went to this person's house, this person got online, and they, they went and watched the message from last Sunday morning about prayer, our first message on prayer. And they heard about God, the Father. We address God the Father, empowered by the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus, right? And, and this was their question. And they had a hard time wrestling with the idea of calling God Father. And the reason they had a tough time calling God Father and that he's a good, good father is because that their father, their earthly father, was not a good, good father. And begin to th kind of think through that. Someone else had sent me a message this week and said that um, they used to feel guilty in prayer because every time they would pray, they would fall asleep. Okay? Anybody else fall asleep while you pray? And, and then this lady said this. They said, and so I used to have this guilt over it. Like, I, I, I have good intentions, and I'm going to bed, and I'm, I'm going to talk to God, my Father, and and I pray, and next thing I know, uh, the TV's watching me, right? And then they said, I began to picture something. Pictured this father holding their daughter in their arms. And the daughter's just talking and talking and talking and talking and talking and talking. Until the daughter falls asleep in the arms of her father. And she said, the picture of that dad enjoying the conversation of her daughter until she falls asleep. And, and do you think the father is angry at the daughter? Like, for some of his fathers, like, finally, you know, put him in bed. And And, and here's another aspect of that. So kind of wrestling through this question of God, a good, good father, but my father wasn't so good. And so sometimes we project what we believe about God based on the father we had. But, but then from the different perspective of that, for me, is that sometimes I view God as God my father in the way that I've been a father. And the truth is, I, 
this, this is going to blow your mind, but I'm, I'm not perfect. And I'm not, I, I'm not a perfect father. I wasn't, I'm not, and I never will be. So I'm talking to you, you parents here for a moment this morning, because all our kids are here, right? So we're going to have confession for our kids today. Has there ever been a time when your kid has tried to get your attention and your attention was on something else? Yes? Really? Yes? Yes. And it's probably happened more than once, right? And, and so sometimes I think, that, and so I'm just kind of thinking out loud with you this morning, that sometimes because I'm that way with my kids, that sometimes maybe I think God's that. Maybe God's too busy for me because I'm too busy for my kids. Is God ever too busy for you? So, so we a lot of times judge God on our inadequacies and our sin. So parents, there's been, there's been at least one moment in your life where you deserved Father or Mother of the Year award. Like one moment, right? One, like one moment. Just say yes. Like I, I've been a good, good father on occasions, right? So in your best moment as a parent, you still don't love your kid as much as God loves you. Wrestle with that for a moment. In your most proudest moment of your child, and we've all had those moments, I'm not sure if my parents did, but you've had those moments. It doesn't compare to how proud God is of you. So, yes, I, I think it's normal for us to project on God the inadequacies of maybe our parents and, and then even maybe of, of ourselves. And it affects the way we approach him. When God is perfect, holy, and righteous. The Bible doesn't describe God as a God who loves. It describes God as love. It's who he is. The song we sang, he's a good, good father, it's, it's who he is. It's the same concept or truth about love. It's not what he does. God is love. And it's hard for us to wrap our mind around that, isn't it? Because our love, whether we want to admit it or not, most of our love or most of what we give out to people is based on what they've done for us. It's conditional. But God's love for you this morning, it's not conditional. He loves you. It's, it's who he is. So the question this morning, and I told you we have a lot to get through. On your bulletin, if you want to get that this morning. This was a question actually that was texted in uh, last week. Why pray if God knows what is going to happen? 
Anybody ever asked that question? Ever, anybody thought that? Like, you may not have asked it out loud, right? And even now that I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, you're like, I'm not, I'm not raising my hand, right? How many of you have ever thought on those lines? Well, God knows everything anyway, so why pray? Raise your hand. Look around. Keep your hand up. Because one person texts that question, but look around. Almost all of us have thought that question. So let me encourage you. If you have a question about prayer, text it in. Because you're probably asking the same question the person next to you is too scared to ask. Okay? Why pray? So the word here, the question deals with, and so the first blank here on your outline, the first question deals with God's omniscience. Okay, this is a big word theological word, and so you see in parentheses what that definition, the simple definition is God is all-knowing. God is all-knowing. So let me just read a few verses of Scripture. I'm not going to be able to, to, to read all of these. Psalms 147.5. Greater is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. His understanding is infinite. God is all-knowing. Psalms 139, verse 4. This one may be a little scary, all right? So Psalms 139, verse 4. For there is not a word in my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. God knows your thoughts. God knows your words. God knows everything. In Matthew chapter 6, in verse 8, Jesus talking, he said, your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask. God knows everything. Isaiah 46, verse 10, this is in the New Living Translation, says, Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass. I do whatever I wish. God is sovereign. God is all-knowing. So then we ask the question, why ask? Why talk to him? And, and the truth is, I can't just give you a simple answer. But I can, we read this last week, but turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. So I believe that the Bible teaches in, in those few verses, and there's many more that we could have time to look through that God is all-knowing, that God is sovereign, that God, another word, so omniscience, all-knowing, that God is omnipotent. And it carries that really kind of a double meaning, that God has all power, and with God's power, he also has all wisdom. He has all knowledge, all wisdom, and all power. That's the God that you have access to pray to if you've given your life to Jesus Christ. In Matthew 6 here, Jesus is talking to the disciples. You have a parallel passage in Luke chapter number 11. We're going to turn there. But three times in this passage, Jesus is talking to them about prayer. And he's, he implies three times, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray. Okay, that's verse 5, 6, and 7. And then in verse number 9, he gets into this pattern of prayer. He says, so in this matter, or in this manner, pray. In this pattern, pray. And then we know what we now know as the Lord's prayer. So he's implying we should pray in verse 5, 6, and 7. In verse number 9, he's showing us how to pray. But look what he says in verse number 8, and we, ju we just read this a moment ago. He says, 
your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. God already knows what you need, correct? But what is Jesus saying in spite of Jesus knowing God already knows? What is He saying? You still need to pray. Now, theologically, I can't really prove this, but let me give you an example, an earthly example. So when my son was four years old, I convinced him that he needed to ask at Christmas for a PlayStation 2. (laughs) Knowing his good, good father needed to play Madden, right? Guess what was already purchased by the time I convinced him to ask for a PlayStation 2? He got exactly what he asked for. When my daughter was three, I convinced her for her birthday that she needed to ask for a bicycle. Said bicycle was already put together in the garage. And she got exactly what she asked for. I don't know if that's exactly what God does with us. But I do know that he already knows what you have need of before you ask. But Jesus has said, ask. So, I think this first question, without being able to completely answer it, leads us to the next question. So God is sovereign, God is in control, and God knows everything I have need of before I ask. And kind of as you walk through those questions, I think this is a natural next question. Do my prayers change his mind? So if God knows everything and knows what I need before I ask, and he's good, why even ask? Because remember when Jesus was in the garden and he had a big ask? You remember what Jesus' big ask was? God, if there's any other way but the cross to redeem mankind... Now would be a good time to think of it, right? But do you remember how Jesus finished his prayer? Nevertheless, not your will or not my will be done, but thy will or your will be done. And so here's just some me being real with you this morning because I truly believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe that God knows, has, uh, knows what I need before I ask it. I, I always have been taught, and I believe Scripture teaches us, that we are to pray God's will be done. And so with my thinking, this has led me to be a little apathetic, a little bit lazy, and maybe not as concerned, not as diligent, not as urgent in prayer as I should be. Because I'm wrestling with that. But here's the answer to this question. And, and so on your bulletin, the, this blank here, I won't leave you wondering what this word is. The question deals with God's immutability. Okay, another big word. I remember some, at some point in my college life hearing that word in between naps in class, immutability. 
And, and so in parentheses there on the screen, the definition also in your bulletin is unchanging. God does not change. Malachi 3.6, the Lord speaking, he says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. 1 Samuel 15, verse 29. And also the glory of Israel will not lie or have regret, for he is not a man, speaking of God, that he should have regret. Or another word in another translation is repent. Another word besides repent or regret is change his mind. He's not a man that he should change his mind. Numbers 23, verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? So the easy answer to that question, does God change his mind, is no. So then it seems to me like if God already knows what's going to happen, and God is sovereign, and God is in control, and God is good, and God is love, and I'm supposed to pray in the will of God, and, and I can't change his mind anyways, it seems like the progression there leads me to say, well, what's the point of prayer? Anybody ever thought that before? Okay, you're not going to make you raise your hand. You seem a little tense right now. But just thinking through this. Let me read a few quotes for you that I think could help us understand the omniscience of God and the immutability of God and how that intersects with our ability to pray. It's not really stranger nor less, any less strange that my prayers should affect the course of events than my other actions should do so. So let's continue. My prayers have not advised or changed God's mind that is, it has not changed his overall purpose. But the purpose will be realized in a different way according to the actions, including prayers of his creatures. So let me illustrate this for you. One of the moments in my life as an adult that I first realized the power of prayer was as a college student. I was a young college student, newly married, with no money. Can I get an amen? All, all our college students, right? Side note, I'm not sure why my parents or my in-laws gave me permission to get married at 19, but we'll move on. <laughs> so I remember Joy and I, no money, no food, and several days away from the paycheck. And me being stubborn, I'm not calling my parents. Right? We prayed. God, you know what we have need of, and I need some food. Right? And I don't, honestly, I don't remember the circumstances, but I remember getting... A, a, a card that day for a coupon for a free pizza from Domino's. <laughs> Manna from heaven. I mean, come on. <laughs> right? Thank you, God. 
I remember going home that evening and ordering a pizza. I have a free coupon, by the way. That was back when the phones were on the wall. And they came and gave me the pizza, and I made an honest mistake. You're not going to believe me. I forgot to give them the coupon. But I got a free pizza. So guess what I ate for dinner the next night? And the second time, I didn't forget to give them the coupon, but I didn't give them the coupon. And guess what we had the third night? The third time, I gave them the coupon. I do have a little bit of a conscience. It's about a medium pizza worth, but... But in the same time frame, so now we've had pizza, three nights, I'm not ashamed, and still no money, still no food for the next, this day, still praying. God, thank you for the pizza, we still don't have any food. And I remember going to college and going to class that day, and we have this, you know, mail room, walk in, put my key in, open up the little, you know, mailbox, and there was a $20 bill in an envelope in there. Amen. To this day, I still don't know who gave me that $20 bill. I'm, I'm pretty sure I know, but I've never actually had the courage to ask him the question. But I text him every Saturday night still to this day and tell him I'm praying for him. But here's the point of the story. So this guy who I think it was that gave me the $20 bill at some point, God put in his, in his thought process, John needs to quit eating pizza every night. <laughs> and he needs 20 bucks to get him to the next paycheck. And, and because he was sensitive to the Spirit of God in his life, through my prayer, he put the $20 in my, in my mailbox. Could God have answered my prayer without that person putting the $20 in the mailbox? What if that person had been disobedient to God and said, I don't really like John. Would it have stopped God's will for me to eat? No. God would have went on to the next person. So let's think on another level. So your neighbor across the street that doesn't know Jesus, and you've been too stubborn to go over and tell him about Jesus, could God send somebody else to their house, to their work? Yeah, of course he could. But who's going to miss out on being a part of what God is doing? You are. And I think the same is true for prayer. I think God is going to accomplish his will with or without you praying, but you miss out on participation with God, the creator of the universe, his plan, his purpose, in the working of someone else's life. And you are the one that misses out. So, me, going back to me as the example, right? God's in control. God's plan is, I'm not going to destroy God's plan. I'm nobody. I'm not going to change his mind because if I could change his mind, that means I'm smarter than him. And guess what? I'm not. But how much have I missed out on because I didn't have enough faith 
to get on my knees before God and ask God to do something. One of the saddest verses in Scripture that, that uh, and I don't remember where it's at, it just came into my mind right now, is when Jesus left the, sit, the city, particular city, he said, it, and the Scripture says, he did not do very many miracles there because of their unbelief. Let, let me read another statement for you. This is by Bruce Ware. It says this, God has devised prayer as a means of enlisting us as participants in the work he has ordained. As a part of the outworking of his sovereign rulership over all, the relationship between divine sovereignty and petitionary prayer can be stated in one word. Participation. So prayer is an opportunity for me to participate in God's work in the lives of other people. And because I'm selfish or whatever reason, how much have I missed out on? God wants me to be a part of. I can't change, prayer doesn't change God's mind, but prayer does change things. Prayer is powerful. Prayer works. Can I completely explain to you the sovereignty of God and the free will of man and how that intersects into our prayer life? No. I can't. Do I believe the Bible teaches both? Yes, I do. So let's take a moment the rest of this outline and talk about what we do know for sure about Scripture, about prayer as we read in Scripture. All right, so we're going to have to go through this quick, all right? Number three, what does the Bible say about prayer? Number one, we are instructed to pray. So it's really clear. Jesus teaches us to pray. When you pray, when you pray, when you pray. All right, Philippians 4.16, be anxious for nothing but pray about everything. All right, so pray. Philippians teaches us pray without ceasing. Ephesians says pray always. Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayer and supplication, the Spirit being watched with this end with all perseverance and supplication. Pray, pray always, continually pray. Keep praying, Colossians 4.2, continue earnestly in prayer. Be vigilant in it with thanksgiving. So the command, the instruction from God's word is, remember what we just talked about, what Jesus was telling them, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray. Then he says, okay, God already knows what you have need of, but here's how you pray. Our Father, our heart in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So sandwiched between God knows everything is Jesus saying, instructing us to pray, and then instructing us how to pray. So scripture is very clear that we as believers should do what? Pray. You have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. It's instructed. Number two, it is illustrated. It's illustrated. Now, the scripture's there under early church. We don't have time to read all those, but I encourage you to look at those up in Acts. So it's amazing when the, when the early church fervently prayed and they were in unity in prayer, God showed up in an amazing way. And here's a challenge for us as a church. 
So, with a question, is God as powerful today as he was in the early church? Yes or no? Is God still want all people to give their life to Jesus Christ? Yes or no? Does God want you to be involved in the process of all people coming to know Jesus Christ? Yes or no? Could God do something amazing above that we could ask or imagine in this church, yes or no? Yes. If you study church history, no revival has ever begun without first a group of people praying. We say we want God to move. We say we want God to do great things in this place. We say we want God to show up. But how much are we praying for it? So read through those passages in Acts. It's, it's illustrated for us most, the greatest example, Jesus. Look at those scriptures for a moment. I'm going to read them quick, so I would encourage you to take some time. But in, in Luke 5.16, this is what it says. It's talking of Jesus. So he himself... So he, Jesus, often, key word there, Luke 5, 16, often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. John teaches us the word, God himself, became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus, referring to Jesus. Jesus, God, fully God and fully man, often did what? Went to the wilderness and prayed. Jesus is our example. He prayed often. He prayed early, Mark 1, 35. Now in the morning, having risen long while before the daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. He prayed early. He prayed often. He prayed for himself, Matthew 26, 39, in the garden, if there's any other way. Nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. He prayed for his own strength. He prayed for his friends, Luke twenty two thirty two. But I have prayed for you, and he's sp- talking specifically to Peter. I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. So Jesus is praying for his friends, that they would have strength, that they would have faith, that they would have courage. He prayed early. He prayed often. He prayed for himself. He prayed for his friends. He prayed for the disciples, and he also prays for us today. Look in John chapter, we don't have time to turn there, but look this week in John chapter 17. And in John 17, Jesus prays for his disciples there, and he's also praying for us as believers. Verse 20 says this, I do not pray for these alone, speaking of his disciples who are listening to him, but also for those who believe in me through their word. Who who does that mean? If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ this night, John chapter 17, Jesus was praying for you. That blows my mind. I pray for all those who will believe because of your word. Jesus prayed for his disciples. He prays for us. Hebrews 7.25, Therefore he also, able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. This is speaking of Jesus. In, in Hebrews 7.25, this is what the last part of that verse says. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. 
describing Jesus always lives. Do we believe Jesus is alive? Do we believe Jesus is alive? And what Hebrews is telling us is Jesus always lives to pray for you. What is Jesus doing right now? Making intercession for us as believers. He's praying to God on our behalf. So it's instructed in God's word to pray. It's illustrated by the life of Christ as he lived on the earth and what Scripture teaches us is that he is doing right now. The, the third one is we see the impact of prayer. We don't have time to read through all these, but one of my favorite passages in, is in 1 Samuel in the first three chapters. And Hannah is praying for a child. She was passionately praying for a child. Years had gone by, gone by, no child. And God heard her prayer. God answered her prayer. And God gave her a son she named Samuel. So we see all throughout Scripture, God answering prayer. Specific prayers. I mentioned Philippians 4, verse 6 through 7. Let me read it for you. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So we could summarize this, this verse in a statement. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. That seems simple, right? So if we're worrying, guess what we're probably not doing? praying. Don't worry, pray. But what, so the word we've used in the outline this morning is, is we see the impact of prayer. Paul tells us in verse 6 of Philippians 4 here, don't worry, pray. What's the impact of me not worrying and me praying? Verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. God will give you that. So can I stand here this morning and completely explain how prayer works? No. I can completely testify this morning that we're instructed to pray, that Jesus prayed, and that it's evident all throughout the Scripture, all throughout church history, in my own personal life, Although I can't explain how it works, I can explain it does work. There's power communicating with God, your good, good Father. The question for us this morning then is, how important is it to us? What are we missing out on? because we don't have enough faith to pray. Would you close your eyes for a moment this morning? We're going to prepare for a, a last song of worship this morning, but during this song, we're, we're going to stand in a moment, 
we're going to worship together this morning. What a great song we're going to sing. I, I need thee every hour. And, and here's what I hope you've been challenged by this morning. I hope that through God's word, God has revealed to you that he would like to hear from you a little more often. For whatever reason it is, and, and we all have maybe different reasons, but whatever reason it is that you've kind of been disengaged with prayer, for whatever reason you've kind of been like, ah, I don't know, it, it's not that effective, it's not that powerful, it doesn't work for me. I pray that this morning God has, has spoken into your life and said, I'm your father, I want to hear from you. Just talk to me. There's so much I want to do for you. There's so much I want to give you. The number one thing, I, I want to bring peace in your life. Because here's the truth. There's, there's a lot of you in here this morning, I know. Without knowing, I know that your, your life is not filled with peace right now. There's tor turmoil, whether that's at work, relationships, home, finances, I mean, all kinds of things. And Paul said, speaking empowered by the Holy Spirit, stop worrying, Start praying, and I'll give you peace. So I, I want to challenge you in a moment. We're going to stand, and, and then we're going to begin worship this morning. But I want to ask you, I want to challenge you this morning. When we stand, if, if there's turmoil in your life, and you want to seek the peace of God in your life, then I want to ask you this morning, when we stand, that you would come forward and that you would pray to God, your Father. And maybe this morning, you don't know if God is your Father. Then I'm encouraging in a moment when we stand to come down here. There'll be people standing here, shake their hand, and ask them to pray with you. And they can show you through God's Word how God can be your Father. God, we thank you for this day. Lord, we are blessed to be here. Lord, forgive me, forgive us when we lack faith and we're not obedient to what Jesus said, and that is simple, just to pray, to seek you, to pursue you, ask, seek, knock. It's a continual progression of coming after you. God, I pray this morning for the, the, those in here who are not experiencing your peace. Give them the courage to seek you today. Lord, for the one in here that maybe does not know you as their father, that they would have the courage this morning to walk forward and find out how they can be adopted to your family. God, thank you for the gift of prayer. May we plug into that gift through prayer. Would you stay with me this morning as we worship? If God's spoken to you, I'd encourage you to come spend some time in prayer as we sing this wonderful hymn this morning. I need thee every hour. <laughs>